Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Bojan Stanislavski and with me is Maria Cerna. We are the co-hosts of your uh, weekly political show delivered by Eastern European leftists. Uh, the name of that show is On the Barricades and this is another edition of that show. Uh, first of all, I want to say welcome, Maria. Thanks for being here with us. Thanks. Thanks for and, having me. And uh, I want to I thank all our viewers, our listeners and the readers of our main platform called The Barricade. Thebarricade.online is the URL address of that platform. I want to thank all of you who decided to remain with us and uh, who, have, uh, who have had the civic courage and who have had the intellectual courage to, uh, well, to just stay sharp in those extremely dire uh, circumstances that we find ourselves in, in Eastern Europe. I want to say that I am absolutely heartbroken looking at uh, the ongoing conflict uh, war in Ukraine. I see that for the second time in my lifetime when two brotherly nations enter into bloody war. Uh, for the first time, I have seen that in the early 90s when uh, and that occurred in the region that I come from. I'm by birth, I'm Bulgarian, and, and uh, I come from Bulgaria, from a country in the Balkans. And this is where first such war that I uh, witnessed occurred between uh, the Serbs and the Croats and also other nations that have uh, had previously been part of the Federal Socialist uh, Republic of Yugoslavia. And, and uh, this war, this war has uh, cost the lives of about seventy thousand people. We don't know what is going to be the death toll of the current war in Ukraine, when uh, <clears throat> when the Russians and the Ukrainians are uh, fighting, facing off in a military manner uh, each other. This is this is something absolutely tragic, and this is something that. Uh, that is, is really difficult for me to uh, comment on from a personal perspective. Uh, those of you who are familiar with my record and with my comments, they know that I have rather been against uh, putting forward any kind of emotional statements. But I also have to admit that it's uh, very difficult to uh, be emotionless uh, about the whole situation when the war of such magnificence uh, is occurring right uh, at the doorstep of the country where I reside, which is Poland. Uh, and uh, I, I have to say, though, that, you know, regardless of whatever I experience in terms of feelings and emotions, uh, regardless of uh, the ongoing, well, emotional, and how to say that, well, hype, all around us in the public sphere, particularly in Eastern Europe, I feel that our obligation as journalists is to, to do everything uh, to everything to, to look at this situation rationally and to make some rational conclusions and to make rational statements uh, and not to fall into the uh, moralistic and, and extremely unhinged, by the way, I have to say, we're going to talk about that in later in the program. Uh, uh, circumstances in terms of, of, uh, 
well of of how people react to uh, the ongoing situation and um, and I th- I feel that that perhaps perhaps we should actually start with the overview of the current uh, state mm-hmm. of affairs. So first of all, uh, it's the fifth day of what the Russians call special military operation to denazify and demilitarize Ukraine. I would say that no matter how you call this special operation, peacekeeping operation, war is war. And war is never a solution in, uh, or should never be considered a solution in the public, in the in the public sphere, in in any public affairs, in any in anything that relates to international uh, politics, same as I don't know in personal life, suicide is never a solution. And and everyone who comes across suggestions of suicide, they should react with utmost outrage, and they should do everything in their power to prevent anything like this happening. Same goes for war in the public sphere. That is, if anyone comes across signals that war is coming and if anyone sees signs of diplomacy preparing way for war, they should react with their utmost outrage and they should do everything to prevent that. And clearly, this has not happened. Uh, I uh, I would say, on the contrary, I don't want to dive into it right now, but we're, I'm sure we're going to talk about that later on in our program. For now, I want to say that we're in the fifth day of this uh, war, military intervention, and so on. So far, it seems like uh, the Russian army is advancing from the northeast and from the southeast, as well as from the very east of Ukraine, which is... Uh, the region of Donbass and Lugansk, and I'm talking about the regions, not just the two breakaway republics. Uh, it seems like uh, they are, and this is, you know, I'm not a military expert or anything like that. It, it just, uh, m- my observation is that they are using a rather peculiar tactics. I thought that if, I had thought that if they actually wage an operation or a war like that, they would probably make it, turn it into an all-out attack on Ukraine. They would just take down uh, its military and they would uh, cut off the whole country from the internet and they would disrupt all communication channels and on so on and so forth. This is not what they are doing. They seem to be uh, maintaining all those things. And my guess here is that they are doing it in order not to create a additional hostilities within the population of Ukraine. Which uh, I think already is quite... <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. And there should be, there, there, by the way, should be no doubt about it. Like, uh, it, there is a lot of talk in the Russian media, which uh, which I follow because I understand uh, Russian. Uh, there's a lot of talk about how this war is not against the Ukrainian people, how it is the uh, against the Banderite regime and so on and so forth. And as much as, as, as that might be true in the sense that they think that this is, you know, this is the their, 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 yeah, the case, their actual sentiment. You know, when you when someone enters your home with a machine gun in their hand, 
then you know you you don't really come to think about uh i mean it's not your first thought to think about the, whether this person has come into your house broken into your house with a machine gun in their hand because of whatever the people that are you, you know because of of them not liking okay the government uh, that you perhaps don't like as well but you know you don't like either but it's just you know it's not it's not how how things unfold in terms of uh in terms of people's reactions in this kind of situations I'm absolutely convinced that for the majority of Ukrainians, even those uh, probably probably many, but again, this is just a guess, this is just speculation, probably many Ukrainians who even had a very positive attitude towards Russia must feel either extremely confused, disappointed, frustrated, or, or probably, you know, some of them uh, have even turned uh, against Russia, not necessarily that they have taken up arms against Russia, but they have just, you know, changed their positions like emotional positions political positions whatever so uh this is uh so, so you know i i kind of uh, i don't think that this is really gonna have a lot of effect in a sense that this is really gonna make the uh, ukrainian population somehow friendly to uh, the russian soldiers but on the other hand i also want to say that uh, there are there are reports uh, that there are towns villages and so on that you know upon the advance of the russian army have uh, immediately switched to uh, the russian side now i have no way of confirming that or corroborating those reports it's just what i have encountered and some of those reports at least seem absolutely credible to me uh there are the, the other element in this strategy is that uh, that i observe is that they 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 don't really take cities what the russian army is doing is they surround cities and they mm -hmm. block they block uh, eventual military supplies to uh, those uh, to, to you know residential areas and this is because and that's exact that, that that's something that of course the russians stress on in their reports that they want to prevent any kind of shelling or or bombing of cities this is absolutely banned and and you know the russian army is 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 explicitly yeah, told reportedly not to do that so what they do is they surround the cities and they move the front forward and they cut off those cities and when uh fights erupt then what the strategy or the tactic rather is then small groups of russian uh soldiers enter uh the city and engage in short-term uh battles with uh without artillery or anything like that just with arms uh you know with rifles and machine guns and stuff like that and they 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 try to counter the resistance in the cities and and it takes uh and they do that for a relatively short period of time we're talking about one hour two hours uh and then they they move back and then they try to enter again until uh you know the 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 capacity of uh of the resistance is exhausted so again i want to stress here that this is something that i'm just getting from the media and i'm uh, following the american media i'm following the russian media i'm following uh well i'm following some european media but i gotta say that this is increasingly difficult <clears throat> because they just uh you know they just repeat each other's talking points and there's very little uh reports and very little footage by the way yes 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 i would just want to say here that unfortunately i discussed this and i think i told you this but this is very disappointing from the point of view of the media 
because it has a long history. If you just allow me just a few minutes to 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 explain, Maria, well, would you would you just allow have... me to would you just allow me to finish? Yes, about... I would just yeah. I want to make okay. this point on the video sure. right now that right, they right. are not used to have war correspondence for two reasons. No major wars erupted near Europe. They erupted in Iraq or whatever, and our inherent racism says that these are not real people we don't care this is racism the second point if it's not close enough it doesn't matter and the second thing is not you know lucrative you can have two uh, tv you know personalities and stars fight and you get a higher audience why pay work correspondence and this is why the quality of what you're saying is so low now please continue yeah okay thank you so uh, i just would like to bring up uh, a, a, a small map here uh, with uh, the uh, with the front um, front line indicated, so that our viewers can get a better sense of uh, of what's actually going on right now uh, in Ukraine. I wonder if I can. Ah, okay, it's, it's uh, yeah. Okay, this is this is it. Okay. Right. So what you can see uh, the red line. Is, is is pretty much where the front line is right now. And what is important, what I wanted to add here, is the blue circle, which is pretty much the most important uh, military, the area of the most important military confrontation at the moment. And this is uh, where the Russian military and also the, uh, well, they call it the civic self-defense of those uh, two breakaway uh, republics, Luhansk and uh, Donetsk uh, People's Republics, are confronting the most hardline, uh, the most, well, yeah, they, they, they endure most hardships there in this region. And why is that? Because in this region, uh, the Ukrainian forces basically consist of those uh, far-right battalions that we mentioned multiple times in our programs that you know some of those battalions have become the official part of the Ukrainian military and they are there and uh, they they will they will definitely keep fighting back and as you can see on the map uh, the they are the the Russian military is trying to encircle them from the south and from uh, the northeast, and they will fight back probably to their last soldier because those people there are exactly precisely those that are responsible and have carried out the, uh, you know, the, the terrorizing of the population of the Lugansk and Donetsk People's Republics throughout the last 80 years on the contact line. I mean, those are the people that you know ideologically and and emotionally if you like hate you know uh the the russian identifying ukrainians and and those that have been uh extremely fierce to confront the military and so on and now uh, i am absolutely certain that with the support of the russian military those militias from lugansk and donetsk they are well i you know they're simply not going to be taking any prisoners most likely and and this is why uh <clears throat> the battles are so fierce in this region 
And I also want to say that uh, there is this uh, city of Kharkov, which is the second largest city. It's already, as you can see, I'm not sure if you can see that, by the way. Can you? Yeah, yes, you can, yes, guess, yes, right? yes. So uh, the city of Kharkov, which is the second largest city in Ukraine, is there are there are battles in the city center or in some districts, at least for now, as we speak. And uh, we're recording that on Monday, the 28th of uh, of February. Uh, it's it's there are some battles there, but as you can see, the front has advanced, and there is no way that the people fighting against Russians in this uh, particular city stand any chance of uh, continuing this for any uh, any longer. There's there are also this advancement and encirclement of Kiev, which you can see at uh, the top, so to say. I mean, when you look at the map at the top of the front line. Uh, from what I gather, and again, it's just what I saw in the media, Kiev is surrounded and Kiev, uh, there, there, there is a corridor for people, uh, both civilians and military people to leave the city. And uh, from what I gather, the citizens have been made aware of that corridor. I don't know how many people have actually decided to use that. There, there, I, I can't see any report. I, I, I didn't come across any reports regarding this. Uh, and uh, there are many reports from uh, from gunfights in Kiev, uh, but it seems like, and again, I stress, I don't know, I, I just read reports that most of those gunfights have been inflicted by uh, the 20,000 accidental people that were given Kalashnikov uh, machine guns two days ago, if I'm not mistaken, to uh, allegedly defend the city against the Russian mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. invasion. And as I said in the beginning, there will be no Russian invasion of Kiev. There will be just the exhaustion of uh, the capacity, of the military capacity of the people who decided to defend it against the advancement of the Russian army. And those 20,000 people, apparently without any check a background check like who they are you know what they stand for and so forth they have according to russian sources again i don't know whether that's also, correct. Also just Volodya see, told yeah. me because i asked him i asked some ukrainian uh, uh the uh, that who was invited in our show and he said that they were given uh, now i don't know if they were given to the people who already met went to some military training but the the period you know is is too short i don't know if they organize as to give it to those who already went some military training because as i stressed a couple of days ago and a lot of people criticized me to just hand out guns and kalashnikovs like you are handing out uh, i don't know tulips and yeah. flowers is completely irresponsible yes it's it's huh. well i think that irresponsible is a very light word here very I mean, light to give word. to give a kalashnikov machine gun uh which is a deadly weapon a heavy deadly weapon to a person that has never held a gun before and that has no idea how to use a gun even if only half of those people are like that okay we're talking about 10,000, at least probably more, people who are just fooling around the city, carrying guns, and they can, you know, they become the masters of life and death only of those who are unarmed, that is the civilian population of the city of Kiev, because 
I, excuse me, you have to be out of your mind to think that even 50,000 people with machine guns who have no idea how to use them pose any threat whatsoever to a professional army trained to uh, take yes, down other professionals. It's very hard to understand this. They think that if you have guns, this is the, you know, the yeah, solution. Yeah, this is, this is something. So I want to, I want to, I want to finish now. I want to close this. I just want to say that in the very, in the very South, we can see that there, uh, mm -hmm. that, that the Russian army is advancing uh, around the city of Nikolaev. And what is interesting here to me is that, well, basically the entire West of the country is, uh, free of any military interference from the side of the Russians, which again, uh, you know, to me uh, poses the question, what is the end game here? And quite frankly, I have no idea uh, whether they are really uh, intending to just take mm -hmm. half of it, whether they're intending to take the whole of it, where, whether they only want to take Kiev and, and, the, uh, and the East. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think uh, that the war has to be over in about... Uh, well, in, 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 in a few days. And I just want to make the point why, because modern warfare depends on logistics only and exclusively. And the, the troops that I can see have uh, that are engaged in this uh, invasion, okay, if you like, are, they, are, they are already a couple of hundred <clears throat> kilometers from their bases. So the logistics become increasingly difficult. And also, uh, you know, this war is not like uh, the, the wars that we've seen in Iraq or Afghanistan. It's not based on airstrikes, which, you know, just obliterate everything. But it's based exactly on troops advancing. And also, I want to say that I, I feel it's important perhaps to make that point. Again, without being a military expert, I can see clearly that the Russians are not using any any of their first tire, so to say, uh, forces, uh, military forces. I mean, they're not using their most advanced techniques or anything like that. The tanks and the military vehicle, vehicles that you can see on the footage, they are old. Some of them are from the beginning of century. Some of them are, uh, them are from the turn mm -hmm. of the previous century, really. So they are, you know, and they, they have engaged, according to uh, Russian sources, 30,000 soldiers, according to Western sources, 55,000 soldiers. Now, look, I want to say that even if it's 60,000, okay, it means that the Russians have mobilized a very tiny portion of their army. And I want to also say that, you know, if we want to make a comparison, for example, with the war in Iraq, which it was also an invasion, clearly, then, you know, we're in the fifth day of war and the uh, Russians have taken, basically taken the second largest city of Ukraine and have surrounded and are about to take over the first city, which is the capital city of Ukraine, Kiev. And this is a city of three million and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Whereas uh, in, uh, you know, at the break of the century, when the war in Iraq occurred, let us let us just remember that the American, the U.S. Army, has deployed three hundred and twenty thousand troops to Iraq, and it took them two weeks of bombing and shelling the city of Fallujah and basically bombing it back to the Stone Age. Two weeks, okay, before they were able to take to actually make any progress there, and 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 for the city to surrender. So we can see. 
you know, the difference. Now, I, I, again, I, I don't want to say here that it's good. You know, the war is good or the no, war is no, better or anything like that. But I just want to, I, I just want, you know, our viewers to be aware of how things are. Yeah, well, of course, uh, I think that uh, we are not experts here. The only thing that I want to say is that uh, we experienced as Romanians the situation where uh, weapons were given to civilians and uh, that happened in the Romanian Revolution in 1989 with the so-called patriotic guards, I mean civil guards, so to speak, then ordinary people were given weapons and a lot of tragedies occurred as a result of the fact that basically people shot each other because they were thought that they were the enemy. There was also this propaganda with the terrorists that are coming to, to destroy Romania and to steal the revolution and the protest that was being said on TV back then. So people ended up shooting each other. And I discussed this that, you know, if in Bucharest you would give people weapons now in time of, of peace, they would probably shoot each other for a parking lot or in traffic because you know how traffic is in Romania. And to, I think your observation is perfect. The only, the only persons that they can really scare off and uh, they can really have power on is the, those who do not have weapons. And that is, you know, putting, you know, gas on an already started fire and expecting it to what? To transform into something, uh, into a bloodbath in the final aftermath. So I think, I don't know, I am not willing to take sides. Maybe there was, I always want to think that maybe there was a good intention. Maybe they were running out of options and they said that this would be, I don't know, a, a final way to defend their city, okay, but uh, I would expect that from a political leader, but how about the military personnel? They should really know that something like this could end up very bad, but I guess uh, we are not, uh, we don't have enough information to discuss intentions here. We no. should just discuss the, the result Thanks. and the result is... Disaster. No, the result is tragic. The fact that this war is taking place is absolutely tragic. And you know, again, uh, I, I absolutely condemn you know this this the, the start of this war. Uh, as much as I, I of course, you know, uh, like as much as I'm prepared to understand that the Russians have been uh, you know pushed to the wall and 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 you know they were held at gunpoint and and still I I kind of it's very difficult for me to. Uh, to justify, to justify anything like that, but uh, and and I want to believe, I want to believe that there were other options. That you know, some th that it was, you know, it, it was somehow uh, preventable. You know, I mean, preventable on the Russian end, right? Uh, it, the only thing that I I want to stress once more here uh, at the end of that segment of the show, because we're rapidly running out of time, mm -hmm. is that this war could have been prevented with the stroke of a pen. This war could have been prevented by handing the Russian government a document signed by NATO by NATO member states that would con that would contain one single sentence. Russia, uh, pardon me, 
Ukraine is not joining NATO. Ukraine will not or, join NATO. Or I would say by the Russians finally coming to terms that they lost the propaganda war and they cannot undo the Maidan with the force of the gun and with the the price of uh, of such with such high price, you know. They cannot undo the Maidan by killing their soldiers and the Ukrainians. This is not the way to undo the, the Maidan. Yeah, Maybe the question is whether there is fought. any way to undo the Maidan, really. Yes, that's, that's, yes. That's and really if you think that this is the way to undo the Maidan, well, <laughs> think again. Yeah, well, it remains to be seen what the result of the whole campaign is going to be. And let us hope, fingers crossed, that the war ends as quickly as possible and that as little casualties and, and, and you know, as little atrocities occur uh, during the upcoming days. And I really think that, you know, the best way forward, and this is just my personal opinion, and I understand it stands against, you know, the mainstream hype and so on and so forth, that, you know, we should be there and defeat Russia and so on and so forth. There is no way to defeat Russia at the moment in this particular conflict, at least, because if the Russians back down, that's the end of everything. Like, that's the end of their policy. That's probably, you know, that, that's going to cause an utter dismay uh, on, on the Russian side. And I don't think this is possible. The only way to prevent further casualties, that's my personal opinion, you know, it, it, it's not like a, it, 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 it doesn't really have a political aspect. It's just a humanitarian uh, thing is to to lay down arms and to give up immediately because yes. all yeah. those people who mm -hmm. are taking arms in Ukraine against the Russian army will be dead now, in a minute, in an hour, in a day, in a week whatever they, they're gonna be dead and if they are not dead now they are just prolonging the agony as i told you i am very pessimistic very pessimistic i do not share your point of view that the war will end in a few days for a couple of reasons i see that unfortunately no one is willing to put down the guns um on the contrary, everybody's insisting of, on continuing the war. Everybody, I mean, like the West, is con, con, um, willing, as Marx Sloboda said, not only the US, but it seems like even people in Eastern Romania, yeah, in Eastern Europe, in, yeah. in Eastern Europe, and in in Europe in general, are willing to fight this war if it means killing all the Ukrainians. It doesn't matter. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he and said he said something like they're going to fight the war until the end, the, the last Ukrainian soldier or something. Exactly like that. until the last Ukrainian, and I would say even more, given the fact that the civilians were given weapons, until all Ukrainians are dead. Mm. Okay, so uh, I think that it will be a long, painful, and even if Russia manages to secure some of the areas that it has interest, strategic interest in, the West is going to take care of constantly poking and constantly supporting right-wing extremists and uh, all sorts of extremists to, to, to destabilize the situation. Yeah, they're going to try to use the sanctions. The sanctions they are, are trying to use place. all sorts of weapons against Russia right now. And I don't think even if the military operations are successful for the Russians, 
I don't think their victory is going to be um, a stable one because uh, you will see all sorts of uh, um, attempts to destabilize the situation there. And unfortunately, I think we are witnessing the beginning of a very long and painful conflict. Maybe the military stage will end, at least I hope so, but uh, the conflict will be very long and very painful, unfortunately. And it will be painful, one, for the Ukrainians, second, for Eastern Europe, and then only no, after us, that for the rest of the world. You're, you're totally right. Well, I totally I, I agree with you that it's going to have terrible and extremely costly ramifications. And, you know, as much as I feel for the people who are, you know, dying in that war on both sides, I have to say that I'm absolutely, totally concerned with those that are going to endure extreme economic hardships, including us, because it's going to have ramifications for all of us in Eastern and Western Europe, by the way, too. But uh, this, the, you know, the situation as it seems to be unfolding right now with all the sanctions in place, we're going to talk about that later, probably. It's mm -hmm. it's it's leading to a major economic global breakdown and uh, we're going to, everybody's going to be a victim of this. Anyway, yes. we ran out of time. And in the next segment, we're going to talk about the reactions to uh, the ongoing war in Ukraine, in our countries and uh, about, uh, well, many other things. Uh, now I want to say goodbye to uh, our viewers and to our listeners and uh, to encourage you to please go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the barricade, where you can support independent Eastern European journalism, rational independent uh, Eastern European journalism, which is what we are offering. Thank you and see you in the next segment.